there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Back in the 70s in Great Britain, there was a television commercial. There was this mother and this little girl, and they were doing dishes, and the dish soap they were using was lemon squeezy. And they do this, clean all the dishes and everything, and the little girl says, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So easy peasy got to be this little saying. We've heard it here, easy peasy, at least I think you have. So I thought, well, so many of us, we look at transformation as something that has to be so difficult and has to take so long. And I have said it's a long path. And yes, and it can be difficult. The reason that we think transformation has to be difficult and take so long is because we think that effort is something that's difficult. We think that effort has to be difficult. For example, eating a healthy diet. If you're going to eat a healthy diet, we all know that the food has to taste horrible. It has to be bland. It has to be what you don't want to eat. It has to be vegetables. It has to be horrible greens. It has to be all these things that you don't want to eat. And if you try to make it taste good, then that's bad. Because whatever you put on it to make it taste good is bad. And that's what we think. It's like the no pain, no gain attitude with exercise. If you're not breaking something, if you're not wearing something out, if you're not wearing some kind of a bandage or a brace or something, then you haven't really exercised enough. And this whole overachiever thing that we have in our consciousness in, in this culture, I don't know what it's like in other cultures, but in this culture, it seems to be really crazy. Everything has to be hard for us, because if it's not hard, it doesn't feed the ego. If it's not difficult, how can you take credit for doing something? I mean, what if anybody can do it? How do you get to take credit for it? If it wasn't hard, if you didn't break a sweat, then what's there to tell anybody about? What is there to be proud of? What is there to feel great about? It's like if you go on a diet, and if it's not a difficult, hard, horrible diet, then what good was it? So what if you lost weight and you got healthy if it wasn't hard? Who's going to do a diet like that? We want the hard ones. We want them to say it's easy, but then we want it to be hard. We want it to be hard so that it can all fall on the false personality. One of the reasons, in my opinion, the fifth way hasn't been embraced widely is because it's too easy for us. Ospensky took all of the, oh, it's so hard, out of all of it with his little thing. We enjoy our suffering too much to let it go. This work isn't mountain climbing. It isn't swimming the English Channel in the dead of winter in a storm <laughs> with somebody hitting you in the head with the oar that they're supposed to be rowing the boat alongside of you. You know, it's not that, but somehow people make it that. We, we make it that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, maybe we make it that for a reason. And this reason being that this is why the false personality allows us to do the work. This is why the false personality lets us mess around with this stuff. Because this is just letting us mess around with it. It has no intention of allowing essence to become active so that it can be made passive. It has no intention of becoming passive. And if you think it does, you're deluded. This work is intelligent effort based on self-observation. Self-observation in the light of what this work teaches. When I say this work, again, I do not mean only the fourth way. I mean esoteric 
teachings, esoteric schools, esoteric principles. I include the fifth way. I include esoteric Christianity. I include esoteric everything. There's nothing that I will not include. If the purpose is to liberate, if the purpose is to transform, if the purpose is for you to realize your real task, your real reason for being here, then I embrace it. And if it works, that's even better. And just because something works for one culture doesn't mean it will work for another culture. Just because something works for one nation, one group of people, doesn't mean it will work for another nation or another group of people. Just because something works in one time doesn't mean it will work in another time. It doesn't mean it won't work. But what I'm saying is that the people who receive it are like the soil that the seed falls in. There are certain seeds that will grow in soil that no other seed will grow in. Here in our part of the world, we have so little rain and the soil is so bad. It's all clay. The soil is so bad that one of the only things that people who settled this part of the county, one of the things that they could grow was lima beans because lima beans grow in horrible soil. They thrive in horrible soil. And so people grew lima beans because they didn't need a lot of water and they thrived in this horrible soil and they grew just fine. But there are other things you plant in this soil that don't grow at all. Unless you amend the soil with all kinds of acid and peat and different things, they won't grow. Well, people are like soil. And a very good seed, it can be a perfectly good seed, but it will not grow in this soil. Then another kind of seed needs to be grown in this soil. And so the conscious circle of humanity or the intelligence of the universe or God gives the seed that is right for that soil, that time, that season. I look at it that way. So when I say the work teaching, I mean something so much bigger than the fourth way. For me, I can't make the fourth way another religion, another religious belief. It just will not hold everything that is available to us. The finite fourth way will not hold the infinite. But it's a good introduction to it. And I find it very useful. And as I look back at our lives and our work, I see that since we have embraced the fourth way and tried to really apply the practices, the principles of the fourth way, that people have made a tremendous amount of progress. And that's really what it's about. So I am looking for fruit. I'm looking for fruit. I want fruit. And if I get the fruit, then I'm going to keep doing what gets the fruit. And if I don't get the fruit anymore, it's time to change. It's time to fertilize. It's time to dig around. It's time to try a different seed or a different tree or a different fruit or something. Or find out what's wrong. Why am I not getting fruit? And of course, the first place to look is at ourselves. Right effort comes from understanding, seeing what's necessary to work on in oneself at a particular time. Again, we're back to seasons in a sense. There's a time to work on this and there's a time to work on that. And it doesn't mean you can work on anything you want any time you want. You have to work on what can be worked on. But in order to know that, you must understand something about the work and you must understand something about yourself and your particular state, where you are at the moment. It's often very simple or easy to work if you're working on the right thing at the right time. If you're not working on the right thing at the right time, if you're deciding what to work on based on your own understanding, it can be very difficult. It can be very unpleasant. We have seen people who strive and struggle and get depressed and want to throw in the towel and It's never because they're doing what the work is telling them to do. It's always because they're doing what they want to do. And it's a case of self-will run riot. Yes. It's like 
finding the right key. <laughs> you know, you, have you ever tried a key in a lock that wasn't the right key? Oh, it slipped in there, but why won't it turn? And it just won't turn. And you jiggle it and you back it in and out and you try and you try and try and it just won't work. But then you find the right key and you slip it in the lock and click. It's just a beautiful sound as the tumbler turns and as the bolt slides back. It's like, yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. Right effort is like that. It's like finding the right key. When it's not simple or easy, the problem usually lies with our own fixed attitudes. Not the difficulty of the process. It's not the process that's difficult. It's our attitudes that make the process difficult. You'll be asked to surrender something. I'm not surrendering that. Forget that. We had someone a week ago, I think it was, say, my false personality says, the hell was screw that. The hell with that. I'm not doing that. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. If you're your false personality, then you're not doing that. But if you can step behind your, you can get behind your false personality, it can say whatever it wants to say. Who cares what it says? You're behind it. It's out there doing whatever it's doing, and you're not in it. You're not a part of it. It's not making, you're not surfing it. It's not behind you making you do. You're the puppeteer, and it's the puppet. So we've turned it around. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen if we make right effort. Many sincere people have made wrong effort their entire lives, and it ends up distorting their character, and they become crystallized in negative states and negative sides of themselves. Religion is a perfect example of this. And when I say religion, I'm going to talk about almost all fundamental religions. Fundamental Christianity, fundamental Islam. The fundamental religions are not what their founders, and their founders, religious, the religions were founded, but they were not founded by the people who taught what the founders used to found a religion. No master ever wished to start a religion. You think about Jesus. When did he ever say, he said, well, upon this rock I will build my church, supposedly. So this is what we have. We have this record that was written down 400 years, at least 400 years after his death. And we have somebody's word for it. We have a, an incredibly devious church that burned all kinds of things, changed all kinds of things, had nothing going on about doing all that, had councils where they all got together and said, well, what should we say he said? And... And, well, we've got to get rid of this because this doesn't fit. And we can keep this and this is okay. Well, let's add this because he would have said that. To believe that everything that's written down is exactly what happened is pretty gullible. I don't have a problem with gullible. I just don't want any myself. I would rather test it out, find out for myself what is actually so, wherever that's possible. Religion is an example of how people get crystallized in their negative sides. What do the fundamental religions really have in common? Well, they have in common this incredible violence toward one another, this disagreement, this incredible violence. And yet all of the people who they use as icons, who taught and who lived the life, Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha, all these people, lived the life of love, selflessness, humility. You know, they didn't live these opulent, crazy lives that their followers are living. They didn't live these violent, hateful crystallized and negative sides of themselves lives that their followers are living. I don't mean to be bagging on religions. I just mean to say religion is an example of when people make wrong effort their entire lives. They're sincere people. They're good people. Good people making wrong effort and then getting crystallized in their negative side because of a lifetime of wrong effort. So skull cracking in the name of God is an ancient tradition based on belief in fixed opinions. 
So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the violence that comes from fixed opinions, these ideas. This is the right way. Everything else is wrong. This is good. Everything else is bad. That. The key is letting in other viewpoints. We talked about right effort be like finding the right key. And the key is letting in other viewpoints. This is right effort. And it makes some growth of being possible, even for religious fanatics. So if you can let in some other viewpoints, no matter how much of a fanatic you are. Diane, I, I don't mean to be looking at you specifically, but you're the most notorious religious fanatic here. You know, One of the things you know about yourself is that part of your acquired personality is you tend to be very religious. And it stumbles you. It, it holds you back. It hinders you in many ways. But you can still be here. And you can still work on yourself. And you work within the framework of your religiosity. I was going to say your religious fanaticism. Your religiosity. You work within the framework of that. But you allow other viewpoints. And as you allow other viewpoints, you begin to become a little more flexible, a little more adaptable. People filled with acquired buffers, with fixed attitudes and mechanical prejudices, are in prison. It's true that we're all in prison. (laughs) We're all in prison. And some of us are more imprisoned than others. There's no question about that. We have people who are in maximum security prisons, people who are in solitary confinement, and we have people who get day passes and they can go out, you know, or weekend passes and they can go out. So there's all kinds of different kinds of prison. Some of us don't feel secure with a day pass. Some of us don't feel secure on a work furlough, a work program. Some of us want to be in solitary confinement. That's where we feel secure because we're so afraid of everything. We're so afraid we'll do something wrong. We're so afraid we'll be bad. And this is what I'm talking about with people who get crystallized in their negative sides. It's mechanical self-incarceration. And a lot of people live and die there. And in a sense, it's very sad. And in another sense, it's like, well, they have people who could reach them if they would allow another viewpoint in. If they would just allow another viewpoint. But they won't. And so they remain in their mechanical self-incarceration. We're all in prison, as I've said, and it's always a prison of our own making. And the great thing about the work, esoteric teachings, is that it is to show us the way to begin to get out. It's not going to show us the way to get out. It's going to show us the way to begin to get out. Because the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And you don't need to know what step you're going to take in mile 995. You don't need to know that now. And we'll just confuse you. If we don't begin... We won't receive help. And without help, we can't get out. How do we begin to make right effort? Because that's really what we're talking about. How do we begin to make right effort? It was like Jess said this morning. Wanting to know the right answer keeps him from working. Is that basically it? Wanting to know the right answer keeps him from working. How do I make right effort? Maurice Nicole said, To remember oneself is the rightest effort a person can make. This effort has nothing to do with groans and sighs and sour faces were patiently suffering in loud silence in a corner. We've all seen it, and that's why we're laughing. We've all seen people just heavy sigh, go through all of their histrionics to let everyone in the room know that they're working now, that this person is really annoying them, and they're working not to be negative. And it's like, oh, come on, you know. Why feed Why curry false personality? Why brush it down, give it a shower, make it all shiny? Why go to those lengths just to make false personality feel like it's in control? You're not going anywhere. That's not right effort. 
It's not working. It won't work. You'll end up on the disappointment heap from working for results. That's exactly what happens to people like that. They end up on the disappointment heap, sitting on this big pile of disappointments because they were working for results and didn't get the results they wanted, which means they were not making right effort. They were wearing the sour faces, doing the heavy sighs, doing the groans, letting the whole world know that they were working because of this unpleasant person's manifestations again and how long I've suffered with you. And now I'm suffering in silence except for this heavy sigh and this sour face. <laughs> I guess it's comedy, you know, when you, you look at it like that. Self-remembering is easy peasy. It's like flipping a switch to connect to power. And holding it. You know, there are some switches that you have to hold. You you can't just flick it and then it's on and that's it until you turn it off. There's some toggle switches you you flip the switch and you hold it. And as long as you hold it, then the power's on. But when you let it go, it's like a trigger. So you, you hold it and the power's on. You let it go and the power's off. There are some switches like that, and that's the way self remembering is. You have to make the connection and then hold it. You can't just make the connection then go away and expect it to keep on going. You have to stay there for it. You have to stay connected in this moment and in this moment and in this moment and in this moment. And when you release the connection, the self-remembering's done. You're now doing something else. So it's good to remember that. It's remembering to do it a few times a day or even once. If you can remember to do this once a day, terrific. Now, try to remember to hold the switch longer when you remember your one time in this day. Begin by trying to stop. Well, what does that mean? Just begin by trying to stop. That's what it means. It means begin by trying to stop. Stop what? Stop everything. Just let everything go. I had this little thing come up with the state and our incorporation and all this stuff that I had to do some paperwork. And I got overwhelmed because this is not the thing I usually do. You know, I'm not a paperwork kind of guy. And so I got overwhelmed and I found myself negative and I found myself stressed And I found myself getting a headache. And I got up and I said, okay, that's fine. (laughs) I did what I can do. I stopped that. And I went and meditated. And I let everything go. And by the time I was finished meditating, I had centered myself back in where I wanted to be, which was, look, I'm not here to do paperwork. I am not here to do paperwork. That doesn't mean I don't do paperwork. That means that that's not my purpose in life. I don't have to do that above everything else. That what I have to do above everything else is remember myself. And from that self-remembering, then I can do the paperwork. And if I remember myself while I'm doing the paperwork, amazingly, there's no stress, no strain, no anxiety involved in it. It's when I don't remember myself while I'm doing the paperwork that it becomes a problem. So that's what I mean by let everything go. But then it can be taken further. You don't have to go and meditate. Just let all movement go, all thought, all tension, all feeling, all strain Let it all go. Stop. Try that. That's a good exercise. Try that exercise. It works. As we are, we're glued to life through identification. We can't remember ourselves while we're glued to life. It doesn't work. You cannot be glued to life and flip the switch, hold the trigger of self-remembering. You cannot stay connected if you are connected to life. If you are glued to life, you cannot remember yourself. If you're connected to life, you're not connected to self-remembering. If you're pulling the trigger of life, you're not pulling the trigger of self-remembering. You're pulling one trigger or the other. You're connected to one thing or the other, and that's the way that is. In trying to stop everything, 
you're stopping all that glues you to life. You're stopping all movement, you're stopping all thought, you're stopping all tension, feeling, you're stopping everything, you're just letting everything go. None of that is as important as why I am here, my purpose, why I came into being to develop essence, to develop further, to develop the new man, to reach out of the animal into the man. That is what you're here for. This practice can change you completely in a heartbeat. It did me. I was all stressed out over this. and When I let things go, it was all changed. It was all gone in a heartbeat. It makes a connection with that which seeks to lead you out of prison. See, there is help. One of the things about the fourth way is many people think it's something you have to do alone because no one can develop for you. It's self-development. But self-development doesn't mean you don't get help. The difference between someone doing it all for you and you doing it all yourself is what we're talking about. You can't do it yourself because you can't do. And it's self-development and someone else can't do it for you. So how does that work? Well, it doesn't work when you look at it in a formatory way. But it does work when you realize that it's not either or. It's a combination of both. You get help from me. That doesn't mean that I do it for you. That means that I give you tools or direction or a way to go that if you go that way, you develop. If you don't go that way, you don't develop. So you get help. But then there are times when you can't seem to do for yourself and someone else comes along and they give you help and it does something that frees you up enough so that you can begin to do for yourself. It's not cut and dried and it shouldn't be cut and dried in your own work in your own mind. Let it be like those ice cubes dissolving in the bowl of water. Just let them go. Let them float freely. Don't worry about it. Just let it be and you will discover the way that you need to go. Constantly thinking about your problems, your concerns, your worries, what to do next, that's a good example of wrong effort. All it does is make you identify more. As you begin to let go of that or come unglued from that, you see just how crazy that whole cycle is of worry and fretting over your problems. This makes everything hard going, makes everything difficult. The work says intelligence is the power of adaptation. That means not trying to make things adapt to what we want or think right, but to see how we can adapt to things. This is A huge shift for us from, wait a second, look at how man is on earth. We have massive, huge machines, bigger than buildings, that come in and rip out trees and tear mountains down to nothing and drill holes in solid rock. We have machines that make the earth conform to our will. That's how we are. That is our condition. And that condition has created a huge number of problems. We're going to remove this mountain. Well, some people live on this mountain. They don't want it removed. Well, we'll remove them too. We'll relocate them. Well, they don't want to be relocated. So we kill them. I mean, eventually we just kill them and we forcefully move them. This is the state of mind that we as a race are into, making the outer conform and adapt to what we want. And it's a very violent, negative way of life. So this shift that I'm saying intelligence helps us make is we start to see that 
it's up to us to adapt to things, not up to us to make everything adapt to us. It's a subtle shift, but it, it makes a world of difference in your consciousness and how you behave in life and what happens to you in life and what happens to other people in life. It's clearly impossible to do without some grasp of our nothingness, some freedom from self-emotions. When you are full of self-emotions, you cannot adapt. You must force everything and everyone around you to adapt in one way or another. And you become a truly obnoxious tyrant. We must effort from our understanding of the work instead of what we understand to be right by our acquired values, by our buffers, by our attitudes. Solomon said it brilliantly, in my opinion. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. That's just another way of saying a fool is a person who has not got the intelligence to adapt, but who tries to make everything else adapt to his mind. That's Proverbs 18.2, in case you're interested. Also from Solomon, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I always hesitate to put things like this in because so many religious people think that they know what the Lord is. Well, I know what the Lord is. That's Jesus or that's, that's Buddha or that's this one or that's that. No, actually, the Lord in esoteric teachings means the law. It's the law. Where does the law come from? The law comes from principle. Law is the out picturing. It's the movement of principle. And so we have to adapt to the law. And the reason we have to adapt to the law is because it is based in principle. And it is the principle that is our salvation. It is the principle that you can be transformed, that sets a law into motion so that you can actually work towards your transformation. It's a beautiful thing. So it's, it's a wonderful thing to submit to, to surrender to, to obey. So trust in the law with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. What does that mean with all your heart? It means with all your valuation, with all the things that you think are really important. Put it in something that's going to do something for you and for your planet. The Lord or this work is to show you another kind of what is right. We already know what is right according to our own mind. We already know what is right according to the world in which we grew up. We already know what is right according to acquired conscience. We already know that it's right to take from this person and give to that person. We already know that it's right to move these people off the mountain if they're more of us than them. We already know that it's right to annihilate these people if they don't believe what we believe. We already know all of those things. But they're all acquired. What we're saying is, this work is to show you another kind of what is right. But we must begin to see what it means to obey the work. Some people balk at the idea of obeying anything except their own conscience and themselves. And those people are not fit for this work. They're not fit for any work. They're not fit for esoteric teachings. They need to be fitted before they can enter this work. And life is in the process of fitting them. How it does that is by knocking off the rough corners, grinding them down, crushing them, smashing them, burning them, bruising them, doing all of the things that happen to people who run headlong into brick walls. Sooner or later, you give up because even if the wall comes down, there's another one after it. Life's always got another one. And life's got something that's harder than your head. You wonder if it's possible, but it is possible. So in a sense, learning to obey the work is an intelligent thing. From the idea of our nothingness, we realize that we can't do. And we must begin to think about right work effort. 
If we can't do, then what does right work effort have to do with anything? Right work effort is like mechanics. You take hydraulics, you take water, for example, and there's things you can do with water that you can't do with your hands. You can pressurize water and it can do things that you can't do with your hands. You could not, well, you could do the Grand Canyon, but it would take you quite a while to do that with your hands. We're like savers, people who save, people who have the habit of saving money, who every day put away a little something belonging to our inner accounts. We have inner accounts. And every day we put just a little bit away into those inner accounts. Not much, just a little bit. Penny here, penny there, grievance here, you owe me there, you didn't treat me right here, and well, why did she look at me that way there, and he, he should have been nicer to me there. We just, little things like that, we put a little bit away every day. Daily, they seem small, but before long, they become this staggering thing, like the national debt. You know, do you know what the national debt is? Well, whatever you thought it was, it's bigger than that right now because of the interest on it. And there's no way to calculate it. I, mean, I think they, in Times Square in New York City, they had this sign of the national debt, and it just was this, these, the numbers were just going, just constantly changing so quickly. You couldn't keep track of it, just constantly going. That's the national debt. That's what it's like for us when we're, we become these savers, these little account keepers. We're just putting a little here and a little there, but it all mounts up. And then it starts collecting interest, and then we're in trouble. This is why esoteric systems admonish us to forgive, to cancel, to make peace before we proceed further. For example, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him, on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. We're all in prison, and we're not going to get out until we pay what we owe. And you're not going to pay what you owe if you keep on adding to your debt, what is owed to you. If you keep adding what is owed to you, you keep adding to what is owed. Whether it's owed to you or owed to someone else, it's owed. And as long as it's owed, you're adding to your debt, you're not going to get out of prison. So what's more important, canceling your debt or doing the right thing? Doing the right thing is canceling your debt. Canceling your debt is doing the right thing. If doing the right thing is something other than canceling your debt, it's not the right thing. That's not right effort. If we can learn to make effort in this area, our efforts will be more intelligent. We can make efforts in the area of canceling debt, in the area of letting go, in the area of letting in other viewpoints, in the area of being more flexible, more adaptable, work more intelligently. If we can make effort in the area of absorbing more abuse before we get negative, if we can make effort in those areas, we're making right effort. If we're not making effort in those areas, what are we doing? We're usually building false personality. We're usually reinforcing our right to ourself, our right to be right, our inflexible, unadaptable self. When you make work effort, don't make it painfully obvious to everyone else because it will go into false personality. It's like when you fast, don't make long faces, you know, and... Stand around all mopey like you're starving to death. Oh, look, I'm fasting. Because like the man said, you got your award right there. 
You made your effort, and your effort was to get the approval of other people, to look good to other people. Okay, you got your award. That's all that you get. You don't get anything else. But if you wash your face and anoint your head with oil and go about your business cheerfully so that no one knows that you're doing it, then you'll have a reward that is worthy of the work and worthy of your aim and your goal. Maurice Nicole said, Effort that shows outside must inevitably be wrong effort and may lead a man into a worse situation than life would have led him into. I've seen it happen so many times, and I see it happen in our own group. I see it happen, and I think, jeez, too bad you're not listening today. People who don't listen are people who are full of themselves. They know what's right. They hear directly from God. They know exactly what it is. You know, an angel came and told them to do this, and they're doing that. And they get themselves in such horrible positions, such misery, and you can't talk to them. So I don't. (laughs) Effort is in secret between you and your understanding of the work. It's not making things do what you think is right. It's not making people do what you think is right. Stop trying to alter others to suit your idea of what they should be. Effort is realizing you need a great deal to make you less unhappy. You need a lot to make you less unhappy because you're unhappy naturally. Effort is observing calmly what attitudes and cruelties in your outlook make you all wrong with your life. The problem with your life is you. It's not other people. It's not the government. It's not the weather. It's not the economy. The problem with your life is you. You didn't marry the wrong person. You are the wrong person. You didn't get the wrong job. You are the wrong person. You could make that job the right job by making yourself the right person. You could make that person you're married to the right person you're married to by being the right person. Effort is observing calmly what attitudes and cruelties in your outlook make you all wrong with your life. That's a good thing to think about. Right effort begins with self-observation and continues into self-remembering. Pray that you can understand and make these efforts instead of thinking that effort means something totally useless. Because really, that, oh, it's so hard, what we're really saying is effort is useless. That's like cutting your legs off before your thousand-mile journey. That's just dumb. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it. Obviously, you can do it. But it's dumb. It's not very intelligent. If you want to make progress on this path, you've got to make right effort. And if you're going to make right effort, it has to be intelligent effort. And intelligent effort only starts in one way. You must begin to observe yourself. You must begin to see what it is you are, what this life has made you, and then pull your identification out of it and move forward. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.